Welcome to the Rolling Stones Studs podcast about the baddest boys of the British Invasion, who are all black and blue this week, hosted by your own bad boys. It's Pete. And it's PJ. And this is a... I always play that too quiet. I always have to boost it in post. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, God, the boosting in post that you have to do, PJ. I know. It's the hardest part of your week. True. Sometimes, you know, you just you get off the job, walk out of the construction site, knock your hard hat on the on the wall to, to shake the dust off, and then you, you walk in the door, crack a cold one, and just say to the old ball and chain, it's time to go boost it in post tonight. And that... It's truly a rough night. I like I like that. Uh, I mean, you've obviously seen my nightly routine, and you know it's just yeah. made me think of a few things about it that could change. Mm-hmm. Why am I bringing my hard hat home? Why do I need to get the dust off of it? Yeah. Um, well, you're working at a construction site. It's nothing but dust, gravel. Rocks, uh, you make a good dirt, point. Mud. I concrete. Am I wearing hammers. it home as a fashion statement or? Well, you just keep it on and then jump on the old motorcycle. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. My little Honda. Ride home. Yeah, exactly. Your little Honda. (laughs) Then you ride home. You crack a cold St. Pauli (laughs) non-alcoholic and, uh, you know, get to to editing. You do know how much I love. You know, it's not even that I like the taste of beer that much. I just love looking at that lady on the bottle. You just love, you know what? Yeah, that it just. The St. Pauli girl herself. That's right. It's She's it's almost a, as hot as the land of lakes, Native American. I know, yeah. Which they it's took PJ away buys from me. Only products. PJ only buys products that have hot ladies on them. And really, it's a feat of advertising that his life has turned into this. Where there's, first of all, there's enough products with hot ladies yeah, on them I mean, that he can fill his home with them. And second of all, it just it shows that advertise sex sells. It man. works, and that's why the Rolling Stone Studs. It's a podcast about the sexiest band in history, <laughs> the Rolling Stones. The only things I buy. Let's go over it. St. Pauli Girl, non-alcoholic. Aunt mm-hmm. Jemima syrup. Land O'Lakes yeah. butter. Uncle well, Ben's back rice off eBay now yeah. for yeah. Land O'Lakes butter. Uh, Uncle Ben's rice, and then uh, I I'm, sure there's some about him that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm really into those daddy vibes he puts off. Um, the syrup w- with the bottle in the shape of the lady, because then you get to touch the curves. I believe that is Aunt Jemima. <laughs> yeah, you get to hug the curves. The the, the honey with that's shaped like a bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, curves to hug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the main benefit. I don't even like right. honey. When PJ says I he's in the bears, that little bottle. It's the honey. Yeah. That's right. And with that mm, that long pointy cap. If if you, can you do a lot of things with that. If you had to have sex with one you know, like fictional children's cartoon character, what would it be? Fictional children's cartoon character, not a cartoon character that is a child. No, 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 no. But cartoon character that is in a fictional Yes, series. I'm going to go ahead and go with Race Bannon from Johnny Quest. Uh, I could have sworn you were going to say Maggie Simpson. Um, but I, my nope, that would be a cartoon character that is a child, which I just said was off the table. At this point, she's like 30. So it's, I don't think, have there, I, I'm not, I'm not a uh, Simpsons watcher, but do their ages change? Do they have birthdays on that show? 
Yeah, they do. Or um, is it like a comic strip where they get a they age a year every nineteen years? The comic strip is being written. <laughs> no, it's they age every year. It's like a television show. Um, Got it. Homer's dead at this point, you know, because of all the deaths. Wow, that's crazy. It's crazy that that show's still going. I know. And that they I just know. yeah they have they've they've been aging the whole time. Wow. Uh, when it was a really sad story arc when Lisa got cancer. Uh, yeah, and she, then it was like the, she bounced back. I mean, you know? and she was like, doing everything right. She was. <laughs> she wasn't eating meat, and then and yeah, then she the still next got season finale, cancer. it just took a turn for the worse, man. It was so terrible. Back in the hospital, all of her spiky hair fell out. <laughs> the rest of them shaved their heads in sympathy. <laughs> Bart's head went from orange spikes to just in a round orange top. You think they're orange, yellow. huh? They're yellow. Yeah, okay. yeah no, it's yellow. <laughs> they're the le- they're just Legos. Um, so mine would be Winnie the Pooh because I think sure I, he wears a crop yes, top, also a yellow creature, and that's seductive. And he's just my yeah. Type. Well, he's got the Daffy Duck going on with yeah. just the T-shirt on top and nothing else. He's even sluttier than a uh, Donald Duck. Um, he's even sluttier than Donald Duck because he's got a crop top. A red one. Yeah. You can see all his curves. That was... I want to fuck that bear. Um, that was Mick Jagger's preferred look in bed when he had women over, was just a tiny little crop t-shirt and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't... I also would not be surprised. That was what... I mean, you know, that was what David Bowie initially found most attractive about him, was just that tiny little crop top tee, and he's like, mm-hmm. don't take it off. That reminds me of Winnie the Pooh. Don't take that And off. you had a friend who loved Christopher Robin, yep. so it makes sense. That's right. And that one sad, morose friend, Bill Wyman. <laughs> he is kind of an Eeyore-esque character. I assume. Okay. In the... This is a good thing, because we already went over Winnie the Pooh with Brian Jones, but... In reality, in the Rolling Stones, who is who? <laughs> so, I think Mick Jagger is clearly Tigger because of the ridiculous dancing on stage. That is a good point. Yeah, probably. Um, I think, I feel like Keith's got to be Piglet. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Pooh. No. Or I, Pooh Bear. I just, for I feel some reason, Bobby it seems is right Pooh Bear. Charlie is Pooh Bear oh. to me. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. I was. I realize he's not part Charlie, of the band, but Char- also Charlie could be, um, whatever Rue's mom is. Kanga. Is her name just Kanga? Yeah, it's Kanga and Rue. Yeah, I feel like Charlie is Kanga. Bill is definitely Eeyore. Yeah, and he's then morose. and then Mr. Ronald Wood himself is Rue. Okay, you know I could I could get behind that. I can dig that. Yeah. It feels right. And then the 100 Acre Wood is their studio where they record. And Christopher Robin. That's right, because that's really where their imagination goes crazy. And obviously Christopher Robin Robin is, you know, that guy we haven't talked about in a while whose name I genuinely forget. Brian Jones. Lug? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, in the early days, Christopher Robin would be, I feel like, would be Lug. And then... And then Christopher Robin could also be Brian, but now that they're both dead and gone, I feel like Lou I don't know would. Who Christopher Robin is. I feel like Lou would be. Who's the youngest of them? Do you think Piglet? 
think Piglet's the youngest little bitch. Probably. Yeah. But Keith's already got Piglet on lock. That's true. I guess Rue is pretty young. Maybe Rue would be I think, be are Rue. we out of characters? Because I think we've done everybody. Because Rue is either Mick Taylor and There's then the once owl. he's gone, then Rue's Ronnie Wood. Oh, yeah, the owl. Maybe the owl is Charlie. Yeah, I think the owl is definitely Charlie. He seems like the wise but one that sits in the back. Kanga? There's no mother figure in, yeah, there's no mother figure in the Rolling Stones. I guess Mick tough, kind of yeah. is a mother figure, but he's already Tigger, you know. Yeah, this is hard. Who knew that this was so difficult to transpose the Rolling Stones to? All right, this week all I'm going to work on is I'll have pictures of everybody involved with the Rolling Stones and yeah. the works of A.A. A. Milne on the other side, and I'll just have yeah. red string going everywhere. I mean, if we had known before we started listening to this album what it was going to be, we could have been doing this all week instead of listening to this shit. Oh, yeah. I would have had a much better week. It would have been week. a better use of our time, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this... Uh, oh, black and, black and blue. Black and blue, which is how my balls felt after the <laughs> last album we listened to and then going to this album. Yeah. Wait, why were they black at any point i understand what blue bald is but <laughs> what is what are black balls i you've never heard of the the phrase black bald oh got it yeah yeah it's which the rolling stones probably should have been at several points in yeah. their career black bald oh what i'm thinking black bald is is so you play a game of uh billiards yes and then your oh, balls have to be sure. the last one hit into the pocket by a little tiny white ball. I guess it's not tiny. It's the same oh, yeah. size. Um, yeah, it's the same size. You you might be thinking a bocce ball where the white ball is much smaller than all the other balls. Billiards is the one that's played on a lawn, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, where you put a little white ball way out there, and then everyone has larger balls of different colors that they try and roll closest to the white ball. Hey, that it's sounds like my curling, night at a bath on a lawn. bathhouse. That's right balls <laughs> do you think it feels like to me the rolling stones probably invented teabagging <laughs> just feels like a thing that they would have been like in like some interview in the 90s it would have come up and charlie would be like oh how long has that been around and the interviewer's like i don't i mean i don't know like a while and he's like huh Keith would do that to me every morning on the road in 1964, so yeah. I think he might have invented it. <laughs> See, I was thinking they would, they would uh, somebody's passed out from you know heroin, and then somebody's like, oh, right, sure. they're all sleepy. Let's put our balls in their eyes yeah. or whatever it is. Does it yeah. have to be the eyes? In that post-trucker speed haze where they just can't really get off the bed. Yeah. And someone thinks it'd be funny to just put their balls down. Yeah. It was either invented you by the Rolling Stones in the 60s or the Jackass guys in the 90s. Nobody really knows. Yeah. It's a mystery. Basically the same group. Yeah. yeah. Just a bunch of immature white dudes with a bunch of money who yeah. can do whatever they want. You make an excellent point. Okay. Oh. Who are the Jackass to Rolling <laughs> Stones? <laughs> okay. Keith is Steve definitely Steve-o. Definitely Mick. Oh. I, think, yeah. I was thinking Mick was more oh. like a Johnny Knoxville because he's like the leader of the group. Yeah, but just Mick seems like he has that same manic energy. 
as Steve-O. And plus, both Mick and Steve-O kind of secret, like, businessmen at the See, end of the day. But like, Steve-O was also, like, like, the hardest core into drugs, which I'm thinking Keith for. That's true. So in that analog, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So maybe, yeah, he probably is Keith, and then he's Johnny Knoxville, and then... Uh, uh, I don't know. Obviously, Brian Jones is Ryan Dunn. Sure, he died. Oh yeah, is that yeah. someone who died? Yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never actually seen a Jackass movie, so and I'm then just aware of them. Little Mick is as Bam Margera because he's touchstone. He's a young boy sure. that changed the group for In the and better out all the time. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. that too. But, um, yeah. You know, I just think, true. I think we nailed this one on the head. Charlie is. Wee man, obviously. No, <laughs> of course. Has to be. Has to be. <laughs> Just makes uh, sense. How could we forget about Wee man? And then Bill's that giant hand that just hit them all in the <laughs> face during the yeah. most recent movie. I don't even know if that I was the most like, recent oh, one, dog. Be a fun high five. I think I think you're out of date on your. On what the most recent Jackass movie is? Yeah. Okay, the most recent Jackass movie I was aware of, which is probably about 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, I think, well, I think it was 10 years ago, but I think that was Jackass number two, and then they did a Jackass three pretty quick after oh. that one. That's the only Jackass movie I was... Interested in watching? Like, aware of coming out, because, no, because <laughs> I just remember seeing that commercial, like, in the theaters a lot. Uh, way way back in the day because that was a significant part of the commercial and i was confused as to why that was a movie someone would be interested in because it's also confused why they were showing it as a trailer on like the dark knight or whatever movie i was seeing like (laughs) i I wasn't seeing movies that were jackass adjacent i wouldn't say (laughs) i although potentially that was probably around when, like, an Anchorman 2 came out, shit like that. So maybe I was seeing those movies. and that's I that do not think those came was. out near the same time at all. But I don't think you're thinking, I think The Hand was later. I think it was too, but I don't think it came out I the same time as... Jackass 3 or 4. They have not made a Jackass 4, so... I th- Jackass 3D High Five, when, 2010. 2010. I think Anchorman 2 came out in, like, 2014. Yeah, that seems that does seem right. Uh, twenty thirteen. Same shit. Movies that came out in two thousand ten. <laughs> this is how we. This is our podcast now. <laughs> Toy Story three didn't see it. Alice in Wonderland didn't see it. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one. That's definitely where the Jackass three D trailer was at. <laughs> <laughs> they know that there's a lot of crossover. Uh, yeah. Uh, Inception, didn't see it in the theater. Shrek Forever After, no. Twilight Saga Eclipse, no. Iron Man 2, yes, probably also where the Jackass 3D trailer was at. I have seen one of the movies you've mentioned, and it was Toy Story 3. Yeah. Um, Best movie, The Social Network. Wait, I thought The King's Speech won that. Yeah, it did. Oh, that's the Critics' Choice Awards. Best director, The King's Speech. Best actor, Colin Firth, The King's Speech. A movie I also did not see. Natalie Portman, Black Swan. Never Hmm. saw it. The Social Network, interesting. I saw that one. I saw The Social Network. 
The Social Network is kind of a funny movie now because it's like, like they really, I mean, not that the sequel would probably be good, but the way Facebook was founded is by far the least interesting thing about Facebook now. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of its like global impact to history. Like, I guess it's interesting right. how it was founded. But like when that movie was made, Facebook was not the like uh, Giant. election changing worldwide like disruptor that it is now. Yeah. I and mean, so it was just like interesting that this like global, you know, social network was born out of like a, a dumb but smart college kid fucking yeah. around. I and like Whereas now it's like this thing that has irreversibly fucked up I don't think human history my thing was born out of a dumb but smart college kid trying to say girls were hot it is very dumb um I just think it's funny that they picked Jesse Eisenberg who I don't think anybody likes I think people don't like Jesse no. Eisenberg he's not charming he's not like personable but they picked somebody who was more personable and charming than fucking Mark Zuckerberg and they found the least... Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, it's perfect for Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> no, but people... I mean, he's even worse than fucking Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> he's yeah. a robot. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's tough. I That movie's so weird. But, yeah. I mean, it is crazy where, like, if you watched that... If you were, like, a 15-year-old watching that movie now, you'd be like, why are they focusing on this? Like, this is not the part of Facebook that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it um, like it just doesn't seem. Yeah. I watched it a few months ago, and it just doesn't seem like it's written about Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook. Yeah, it seems like a, a work of fiction about this small, mm -hmm. tiny little startup that has ten employees. Right. Right. And also, how evil Army Hammer is. I thought he was the good guy. Army. Well, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. I still think he he's a good played guy. the he played the twins who mm -hmm. like I forget actually exactly you watched them more recently than I did they either helped him start it or they had a similar idea at the same time it was both um and oh, they're okay. the real heroes they started it I'm glad they yeah. sued the pants off Mark Zuckerberg yeah I mean to be honest and they couldn't pick a better guy for the role charming nothing weird about mm -hmm. him. Great. Charming. Handsome. Has never been accused of anything odd. No, nothing whatsoever. Yeah. Is definitely big. Yeah. Did that, whatever came of that. <laughs> that he's a cannibal? Yeah. Because it's like. I don't know what's going to on. To some degree, that. there's no way that's true. But on the other hand, like. You, you, you just never know in 2021, man. <laughs> I mean, that's like, true. It really. Wouldn't it be it funny really if he just was? Just like, I know that there are all these celebrities that are getting busted for being just fucking creeps, like, you know, molesting yeah. women and f forcibly, you know, just doing terrible shit. But what if somebody just found out that a celebrity was an actual cannibal? Right. Would they get canceled, do you think? Mm, Depends on who it is. Probably not, because yeah. the liberal media is more focused on stupid things. That's so. true. They just want to cancel... All of the freedom-loving patriots that voted for our current president, right. Mr. Donald J. Trump. And they will find out soon. Joseph R. Biden Jr. Oh. No. They will find out soon that he is oh. the true president. And that Joe, Joe Biden, did, he, they haven't given him the nuclear codes. He can't be the president. It's all a prank. Okay? It's a yeah, jackass-style, yeah. raunchy prank that they're all pulling. 
and you know soon they're going to scare the reanimated corpse of joe biden because he died three years ago this is all real stuff i've heard by the way yeah. that people think that makes sense including myself um let's see so army hammer as of march 19 2021 according to vox media uh the cannibalism thing led to an actual like being investigated by the LAPD kind of actual uh, um um what do you call it? accusation uh for raping somebody so oh i guess it doesn't matter if the cannibalism thing is real or not cuz cuz he's a rapist you know, that's on the table yeah so interesting that's disappointing yeah yeah you know i just thought he was a fun-loving cannibal but now he's a right <laughs> i know but now it turns out to be much more yeah much much more serious well pj well peter as fun as all this is and assuming we'll edit oh 25 of this m- first 30 minutes most out, of it yeah um you want to get to the rolling stones i would love to get to the rolling stones pete I just want to get this over with. It's been, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded. This is true. And I haven't enjoyed this album. And it's not that I don't enjoy talking to you about the Rolling Stones, but I don't think I'm going to enjoy talking about the Rolling Stones no. <laughs> this week. Um, yeah, we, I've had to listen to this album for like two and a half weeks. Um, and you've forced yourself to keep it on repeat. It's the only thing you've been listening to the entire time. So. Yeah. It's pretty tough. It's sort of that and my favorite your band. Ears black and blue. You could say that. My ears and my balls. Um, sure. Y- you know, I've been listening to this and then my other favorite band, which I've mentioned on the podcast, which is Gaither Vocal Band. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just really needed that Gaither to try to sure. refresh Balancing. from this yeah. stupid fucking album. It's a nice palate cleanser. I think so, too. This album, I feel like we have said this before about the Rolling Stones, um, but the movie, this is Spinal Tap. Yeah. I have seen many times throughout my life and mostly have equated to bands like Led Zeppelin, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. others. Um, kind of in terms of like, I guess just the style of music they play in Spinal Tap and then also that they're like, they do like all the fantasy adjacent stuff on stage yeah. and like with having like a prog rock bent. So I've never considered that like the Rolling Stones would be, uh, I, they, like potentially inspiration for it. Right. They do but take it as f- we will see from a lot of different things. Like when their early band is like. Give me some money. I think that's definitely a Beatles like. Oh yeah, thing. That's true. Um, so, but as we're gonna talk about this week, I feel like yeah, I was realizing the Rolling Stones definitely have some Spinal Tap moments, which oh, I can't think of yeah. it now, but I know we've brought up on a previous episode. I just don't know when. Spinal Tap, or about what? So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this week the big the big news, PJ. I love the big Little news. Mick walked out. He was angry. He was he was fucking pissed. I would uh, be too. For not getting songwriting credits. Um and I think we should start a Twitter hashtag with that's called Pay Little Mick for oh. all the songs he helped write. Because I don't know if he's ever been paid for all of his non credited 
Yeah, let me write down that hashtag real quick. What was it? Pay little Mick yeah. for hashtag all Pay little Mick. Oh, I thought it was no, that I whole think thing. just Pay little Mick. Okay, <laughs> we got to make Good. it kind of catchy. <laughs> okay, that one I don't have to write down then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, free little Mick. Although he's not, I don't think he's trapped anywhere. But the free hashtag just seems to get a lot of traction. And it's like free. We'll go ahead he and like just do both of for those. free. You know, like it's kind of. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. So it's got a little double meaning there. Okay. You know, so free and pay little Mick. Free Mick Taylor, pay little Mick. Let's there we go. That. That's good. Yeah. I'll tweet that out later. Okay. Good. Um. So after he got sick of being royally fucked for being the best member More of like royalty the best band fucked. in the world at the time. <laughs> um he he walked out. Uh if you remember from last week, I think of like a record release party, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really badass. Yeah, that is cool. Um so the Stones need a new guitar player. And in I think what we could call typical Stones fashion, they decide to audition a guitar player they don't just choose one like they did with little mick they decide to audition three or four through their album recording process for oh. the next album which is just so they such just got a, like, people to lazy, work for free again weird cash grab feeling thing where it's like yeah. it's both a selling because it was a known thing at the time that they did this so it was like kind of a selling point of the album and it was i believe they paid them but only as like studio musician pay you know oh that's the so it was obviously far less than whatever they would have to pay even a like not real member but like a contract player like mick i'm sure got more than whatever they would pay just a studio yeah so um although i am unclear like it does i couldn't find anything very specifically about how much they paid everybody but i believe they did get paid okay i mean anyway that's so shitty but this is their ridiculous idea which I kind of thought when when we were looking at this album from the last couple of weeks forward, knowing Mick would be gone, I kind of thought it was interesting if it had come about naturally, like they were like inviting people over, recording a couple songs, then being like, oh, man, let's get Ron Wood in here. Like, yeah, let's see what he does with this song. But the fact that it was fairly premeditated makes it so lame. That is <laughs> that super lame. This. I mean, because they kind of got little Mick in a cool way where they were like, Oh, there's this kid that's like real good. We'll yes. like have him jam with us, and they're like, it felt great. But yeah, them and then being they just like immediately hired him, really. Yeah, yeah. Because how um, could you not? He's so good. Although they were stuck in a little bit of a harder place there with Little Mick, where like they were desperate to get on tour, right? And they were like riding this high of like being the kind of most popular band in the world at the moment, mm-hmm. and so we're like, we need to keep this going. Whereas in '75 here. Well, 74 into 75, it feels like they have a little room to, to breathe. Like, they aren't feeling desperate to find somebody. Right. Um, okay. So, in that way, like, they initially wanted to record the album in 74, in late 74, early 75, and release it before their 75 U.S. tour in the summer and fall. Uh, but okay. it didn't end up getting done, and they just went, all right, we'll just wait and release it next year. Uh, and I assume just hired probably some random person to tour with them um, as like a contract yeah. touring player and weren't bothered about it then. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So here's the lineup of everybody who showed up. Well, so first of all, Jeff Beck cool. and Rory Gallagher, who's an Irish guitarist yeah. uh, who I didn't know before. There's a lot of names here that I had either heard once or twice or haven't heard before, but... 
um those two showed up to jam with the stones at one point like when they heard they were looking for a guitarist but both after that like decided not to pursue it any further okay um jeff beck had a quote saying in two hours i got to play three chords i needed a little more energy than that yeah so that's very fun um yeah and then eric clapton supposedly showed some interest he from this is from my book um the rich cohen book Mm -hmm. he had a conversation with ronnie wood where ron wood was like i'm gonna i'm gonna go out for the stones and he said well i'm a i'm a better guitar player than you you know and then ronnie wood said something along the lines of you might be a better guitar player but i can like party and hang with the stones and you can't (laughs) and eric clapton went oh well you're right that's fair (laughs) also the stones are kind of like a i would say a relatively progressive band in that they don't hate black people they've toured with chuck berry and tina turner and uh was eric clapton he's a, like a, a racist weird old co- no i know but at the time or is that just him becoming like a narrow-minded old man you know i because i feel like that happens a lot where like people when they get older just turn like like you gotta suspect the, it's always been there a little bit at the very least I suppose. I mean, yes. Like, it, it doesn't seem like it just comes out of nowhere, but it does feel like, I don't know. Like, he wasn't really known for that, at least as far as I know, until more recently. So, it wasn't like he was throwing out quotes in interviews in the 70s or 80s that were... Right. At least as far as I've heard, maybe he has. Maybe um, if he had joined the Stones, it would have changed his uh, perspective on letting <laughs> non-whites into England. So maybe, um, yeah. Although Eric Clapton would have been a good member of the Stones just because he knew how to steal another man's wife. Yeah, I, which Keith's pretty practiced at. There, you know, so they would have gotten along. <laughs> uh, you do know that that woman, you, you know, George Harrison's wife, and then Eric Clapton's wife, Patty Boyd. Patty yeah. Boyd then went on to believe Mary. It was either Ronnie Wood or Bill Wyman. Oh, was it really? Holy shit. Or like Ron Wood seems right. Went and hung out with them. Uh who was it? Let me look. I have Ron Wood's Wikipedia page. Yeah, okay. So in nineteen seventy eight he had an affair with George Harrison's former wife, Patty Boyd. Yep. Uh Ronald Wood did. So yeah, Ron Wood. So I mean, no matter what, you're getting yeah. somebody who's fucked Patty Boyd in the band. <laughs> that was <laughs> That was in the, they did a newspaper advertisement and they were like, Little Boy Blue and the Blues Boys looking for guitar player to not upstage Keith, but be kind of better than him. Yeah. (laughs) And then also other requirements have fucked Patty Boyd. Must be from England, must have fucked Patty Boyd. Exactly. And must be able to do heroin, but kick it once we realize it's actually bad for us. Yeah, in the mid 80s. And then switch over to Coke. So let's see, the other people who ended up actually like coming into the studio and trying out in a more serious way, uh, several names here. Steve Marriott, okay. who was in Small Faces and Humble Pie. Right. So it's, and... it's all kind of this like weird incestuous group where it's either like somebody from Jeff Beck group or Small Faces or like the Yardbirds. Yes. Like it's all- A lot of faces, yeah. a lot of John Mile connections. Yeah. Like with Mick Taylor thrown in here as well because there's one guy here who is in John Mile. Yeah. Um, but then also two random people okay. who were American guitar players 
who like weren't with that at all yeah um wait actually just one person who like had never who wasn't in their world at all who was an american guy i think harvey mandel the next guy was an american no it's pronounced howie mandel yeah yeah (laughs) but he had played with canned heat and john miles so he had like a little bit of connection to the british blues world okay and then wayne perkins is the american guy who was a muscle shoals studio player for a very long time oh that would have been so fucking good and then he had a band, Smith, Perkins, and Smith, with other people named Smith. Yeah. And he played with Eric Clapton and many other people on tour in the early 70s. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's very good. He apparently, he's credited with, if not inventing, popularizing, uh, like, finger tapping. Okay. Well, I think Eddie Van Halen did that. but. <laughs> and also was the guitar player on an album that I just learned all this, you know, looking them up, but was credit or was the guitar player on an album that was credited with like inventing blues rock in the mid sixties. What album is that? Um, okay. Wayne Perkins was the muscle Shoals studio guy. Uh, but Harvey Mandel, sorry, I screwed that up. Harvey Mandel is the finger tap guy. Okay. Um, who also played on, this like famous blues rock record yes um charlie muscle white oh charlie muscle white very famous uh, harmonica South Side player. band yeah yeah 1966 which is yeah like at least according to what i was reading okay yeah credited with inventing blues rock because he was like a straight blues harmonica player and then yeah. he invited all these rock musicians to play with him on the album and it comes across very like what the stones wish they were doing yeah. in 1966 i think that makes sense i mean they were they were deep into like mod rock at that point but yeah no charlie musselwhite like, is phenomenal yeah. all of his music and it's yeah. like somebody who like a lot of people wouldn't know unless you're like into blues to any extent because he's not been on he like did an album with ben harper i guess and that's like the most popular thing he's done yeah. in the last 10 years or whatever but okay yeah yeah no he's a really good harmonica player so this is a piece of Harvey Mandel's playing that just really impressed me when I was doing research on these guys. Um, off Charlie Musselwhite's album 39th in Indiana. And what, this was 67? 66. I feel like this is very... It's a lot more modern like than 66, yeah. yeah. I mean, this definitely sounds like this sounds an almond level yeah. to me of like blues guitar playing. See, like, this is really, I was thinking really this is like stuff. very Stevie Ray Vaughan, which is like... Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. But definitely more of like a 70s, a more matured blues rock sound yeah. than other people in 66 were yeah. doing, it seems like. fuck, this is good. I know, right? I don't usually like a kind of more straight blues solo, but this song was... He's good. Was doing it for me this morning. Yeah, and that that guitar tone for 66 is really Insane. nice too. Like it's a nice fuzzy. Nobody sounded like that in the 60s. Yeah. It took people yeah. until like 73 to get to there. It's good though. Yeah. So, let's see. Um I think that's the end of the solo. Okay. 
Um, and then we had Peter Frampton, <laughs> who at that point was most famous for being in a British band called The Herd and then Humble Pie right. uh, with Steve Marriott. Right, right, right. And then uh, Ronald David Wood, uh, who was in Jeff Beck Group Faces and had a few solo albums out at the time and had also played a ton on Ron Stewart or Ron Rod Stewart solo stuff. Yeah. I think like a big connection, all these fucking people's Rod Stewart. I think Rod Stewart. All, Dude, they're Rod Stewart all friends with Rod Stewart has a connection to fucking everybody. I was yeah. actually thinking about a Rod Stewart podcast would be pretty insane. Yeah. Just because his, like he was a part of like every single British band basically in the 60s yeah. like every important British blues band or like had connections to and then like had a string from the 70s through like the 90s had a string of huge, huge hits. hits that he wrote and he wrote and one of the greatest songs of version, all time yeah like whether his version was the most popular one or a cover but still like he he is an insane songwriter yeah to have come out of just being like this blues rock guy in the 60s so he would be pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. What what song is that? Maggie May. By the way. Oh, okay. Wake up. I was gonna say. Every, I was thinking you were maybe thinking every rose has its thorn, but no. Maggie May is one one of my favorite songs. <laughs> Not the Beatles it's version. A good it's a great one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fucking Beatles. Um, Who likes them? So, out of all those players, only Harvey Mandel. Wayne Perkins and Ronald Wood actually made it onto the album. Okay. Um, so I guess we're up for serious contention, but on the album, uh, by the al- time the album cover like was shot and the album came out, Ronald Wood was in that photo, so I assume they had chosen him by then officially. That Otherwise, that would be weird. That does make sense. Yeah. Um... Let's see the cover. Well, I guess real quick, the cover art we can talk about since I just brought it up. It's really ugly. Um, it's not good. If you look up, the actual cover really makes no sense unless you see the full gatefold. Um, if people are listening and want to Google that, because the album cover itself is just like their faces all just really close together. Like it's Keith who looks yeah. like he's yelling into Mick's ear. And then Bill's in the background. But then when you fold out the gatefold, Charlie and Ron are on the back. And it makes more sense of them all standing there together, kind of. Yeah. I uh, And, like, Keith and Ron are both poking their heads in from the side. I, I went to go Google this. And I was, like, not yeah. looking at the screen while I was typing. Um, and I just want to share what Google auto-corrected it to. Full auto BB gun cover black and blitz <laughs> rolling stones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So, yeah, I mean, it's an ugly album cover either way, but especially when it's just the front side, it's just very weird and confusing and, like, so zoomed into their face. It's It's bad. It's very bad. It's really... And, like, I realize that there is a disconnect between, like, fucking, like, listening stuff on Spotify or iTunes because there's, you know, like, an art to making a fold-out album. But this isn't good either way. I do... No. Charlie looks so weird in this. Yeah, it really, I mean, we talked, I think it was last week about me getting this confused with whatever that terrible cover is from like the 88 or right. their 87 album. But honestly, this one also kind of, especially the full gatefold looks to me like it could have come out 
any time from like 1981 to 1995 even like yeah it's just the style of the photo like it's weird and kind of airbrushed looking and like just it, it the, all of it is such a weird and the concept for look. it seems more like a one of their shitty 60s albums where they didn't give a shit was on the cover yeah yeah it's very weird um it's not good and but what's even weirder is that it was very purposeful <laughs> Okay. Because they hired this very famous fashion photographer, uh, Yasuhiro Wakabayashi, Ooh. Um, to shoot it and like flew out to this island in Florida to go walk around the island. The inside gatefold is all them like on a beach where you can, you know, like a farther, uh, further away shot. Yeah. And like, so they had all this planned and were interested in this being the album cover, which is even crazier that they weren't just shrugging and like, whatever, we'll just take the first photo yeah. we have. That is so weird. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing about this album was, so when it came out, Atlantic, their American distributor, uh, and Mick together... Or at least, I mean, maybe the full band, but Mick uh, personally definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, came up with an ad for it, a billboard that they would put up in L.A. That uh, was, so it's like on a white background. It's the album cover or like the gatefold album folded out. Right. So the full picture. And then picture. There's, a, there's a lady like straddling it <laughs> who's all tied up. And gag. Well, she might not be gagged. I think she's just all tied up with like her hands above her head tied to the ceiling. I see what you were talking about earlier with the uh, spinal tap. Yes. And she has bruises on her legs and on her face. And at the bottom, it just says black and blue, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> um, that is. And yes, so I know cheesy. it's very akin to smell the glove. Yeah. Um, that but so was funny. real, and someone thought it was a good idea. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ! So yeah, I found an interesting Guardian oh, wait, article about it. What if we don't it? put a naked lady on our faces and she all tied up, straddling yeah. it? Oh, yeah. And it's like she's been, she's been beaten up, you know, that, like black and blue. She's been beaten up. You get it? Genuinely, that is it? the conversation they had. Like, it. yeah. <laughs> and then it got to a point where someone was like, "Yes, let's do it." And, like, actually got the billboard put up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, they put it up. Um, let's see. And it um, pretty immediately got attention from a group that existed at the time called Women Against Violence Against Women, <laughs> which is a great <laughs> name for a group. That is pretty good. Um. So they, I think they like went and spray painted on the billboard and stuff and then also like started a campaign to get it taken down. Um, Makes sense. So Atlantic pulled it. The band apologized. Mick's defense was that it was tongue in cheek and he helped like put the bruises on himself like with body paint, Mm -hmm. I assume. I hope (laughs) Um, so. He helped put the bruises (laughs) on himself and was like, and also, um, I don't think any of this came out at the time, but in this article, there was a later interview with the model who was like, I wasn't bothered by it at all. I was just happy to get work. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. It's very interesting. Uh, she also has a funny story about doing the photo shoot. 
she said that they were all very charming and polite and that Mick asked her out, uh, but she said no because she, quote, didn't want to get passed around from star to star. Huh. Um, but he was cuter than in the photographs. Oh, well, so I would go. fucking hope yeah. so. Um, That's right. Is Mick not married at this point? I guess it doesn't really matter. No, he is. Yeah. He's still married to Bianca, but he's already had a whole thing with what's her name. And yeah. Another thing, I think, with the other... No. Yeah. Yeah, with... Uh, no, no, no. Never mind. The woman he wrote Brown Sugar about, I think, was before he married Bianca. No, wasn't that about Bianca? Brown Sugar? I believe Bianca is a black woman. No. Are you sure? She's Latina. Is she? Or whatever. Okay. You would say. Did you know? Okay, so this is a fact I learned the other or day. She might be Spanish. She's yeah, Nicaraguan. Um, Nicaraguan. Thank you. He has so many kill- kids, and he's like a great grandfather at this point. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. He has eight children from like th- eight children from I don't know how many different parents yeah anyway eight children we'll hear we'll hear from one of them today on the album oh daddy daddy you're a fool to cry daddy (laughs) um oh this is also interesting i forgot about this the the women against violence against women uh boycotted warner brothers electra and atlantic records after this billboard for three years until Hmm. like did a boycott for three years until they let them do sensitivity training for their executives wow um i bet that worked really well i know right yeah i bet that that was a great meeting where no one where everyone took it very seriously a bunch of old dudes in the room um anyway but uh yeah it's interesting that is very interesting uh so what the fuck good good good, shit. good, good for job, them for actually like women i feel like whenever boycotts go down i guess this is more modern because boycotts used to yeah. mean a lot but i feel like when people boycott stuff now it's like boycott target and then people don't yeah. shop at target for like a day and they're like oh fuck yeah. i really need something from target you can't really yeah i feel like you can't really get like people together in the same way no but. you can just tweet about it and then people are like oh that's so terrible right. and that then Target people like that. assume it's happening but then the next day they're like oh but i need toothpaste so <laughs> yeah um yeah it's impressive so let's see uh and then i think that's pretty much it about this album there's not a lot like to be honest it's mostly known for being there you know auditioning guitarist album so yeah maybe they should have not put that in out in terms of history um yes <laughs> we'll we'll get to it but yes <laughs> um i also cannot believe that this is there's eight songs on this album which is not a lot for an album but it is 41 minutes long yeah and what's what even fuck? weirder is that there's actually only one like long long song that's like seven and a half or eight minutes yeah. and then all of the rest of them are just like four and a half minutes which is like it's just long enough to get them to the 40 minute point but it's kind of weird because i'm used to those albums with you know fewer tracks but they're still a full-length album i'm more used to that being like a more prog rock kind of thing where there's you know like a couple 10 minute songs on there but yeah and let me tell you 
uh, somehow the stones it felt just like longer than 40, 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah. 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 I know, dude, for an eight song album, it's crazy how many times I looked at my phone to be like, how far are we through this? Yeah. Uh, still on memory motel, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So black and blue was released April 76. It went to number two in the UK and number one in the US. And I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> I mean, I know like it's only rock and roll was huge. So, like, I guess, you know, why would people not assume that the next Stones album would be great? But it's still just insane. Uh, and then, especially because the lead single was Fool to Cry, um, which is, I would say, arguably one of the weakest songs on the album. But that's just me. Uh, which went to number six in the UK and number 10 in the US. Huh. Um, Fucking A, dude. This album was recorded after Billy Preston had been on tour with them for several years. He'd been on tour a lot with them in the early to mid seventies. And he plays on like almost every song on this album, sings backing vocals a lot and helped write a uh, melody where he kind of shares lead vocals. You can hear him really clearly mm-hmm. singing along with Mick on, on melody when we get there. Okay. So that's kind of fun. It doesn't really help make the album better which is disappointing because he's been great so far when he's showed up but you would think an album where he has more of a voice kind of in the music would would make it better but unfortunately it doesn't they really have a thing Um, for like having keyboardists in the band for a long time and never fully making them a member yeah well and nikki perkin or nikki Nikki Hopkins and Ian Stewart are both on this album too, Jesus which Christ. is crazy. So they just have like three keyboardists rotating. The three that they keep fucking um, dragging along. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Ronald would, aside from playing guitar in a couple songs and helping write one of them, also sings a ton of backup vocals, which I almost wonder if that was done like at the end of the sessions when they knew he was going to be a member. And they needed him. And they, like, did yeah. some final backing vocals, you know. That could um, be. That's probably what happened. Some overdub kind of stuff. And that's why he's credited there over, you know, any of the other guitar players that might have right. helped sing. Right, 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 right. So. He's also a little more of a singer, though, I guess. Like, those other guitar players might not have been singers, but he'd had several solo albums out and, like, had been b- at least a backup singer, I think, in Faces and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think that's kind of it before we get into the track by track. Uh, oh, well, there's a couple of reviews from the time, which I think are interesting. Um, we have Lester Bangs, first of all, who we've talked about several times, I think, recently from with the Cream. Stones. Yeah. From Cream. And I think I think it was in Rolling Stone. Cream, the magazine, uh, not the, the magazine, band. Not the band. And Cream, the magazine, yeah. not the band. I believe he was with Rolling Stone in he, like the early 70s yeah, and then went to cream he, in like 72 or 73 i believe he started out at rolling stone and then he, yeah. he found it cream if i'm not mistaken oh got yeah. it okay so yeah so he i mean as we've heard hasn't been enjoying the stones for most of their last few albums yeah he was also but, very cynical about pretty much everything yeah said thank god that they were finally just straight up bad so he could ignore them basically <laughs> was his review that's awesome uh but then weirdly Robert Christgau, who can be very generous sometimes, but also I would say I generally agree with, um, said that this album was very solid and that they weren't dead by a long shot, was his quote. Hmm. Okay. Which is interesting. Like, I'd, uh, you know, Black and Blue isn't 
actually like a terrible terrible album but i wouldn't say it's good enough for you to go hey the rolling stones still have a ton of juice in them guys still got it yeah (laughs) yeah so we'll see um yeah but that's you know that's pretty much all you need to know about black and blue before we get to the uh the track by track yeah um okay well do you want to take a quick break I, and come back? I think I need to take a quick break before I listen mm, to this album. Okay. Uh, you don't want to, but you're, you know, I, I, you're scre- usually, your body is screaming for a break. Usually I want to, but now I need yeah. it. I need it. Yeah. I need to rest right. up before we listen. Just like the Rolling Stones needed a new guitar player. Exactly. All right. Well, see ya. We'll be right on the back. the other side of this break. This is perfect break music. Yeah, that was my thought. This is the kind of song that if you were on hold and just this song repeated, you would really lose track of time because you'd be like, I don't know if this is the first or the 50th (laughs) time this song has played. Yeah. And it would be one of those songs, too, where like the third time it looped, you'd be like, oh, I thought this was just a long song. And welcome back to the Rolling Stones Stones. You know, a little peek behind the curtain is you, you guys have been waiting for a little bit, but this is actually the next day for Peter yeah. and I. We just need we just that got much. bored. Yeah, yeah. We just kind of stopped enjoying each other's company, which I think you could probably yeah. hear on the record. But you know, it's a new day, and I'm excited to see Pete again. I did. It was good that we took some time out, though, because I realized I just decided to give the album just one more listen, and I realized I never actually heard the last three songs. Yeah. So <laughs> you, I just got stuck at Memory Motel over and over again. I. It's funny that you mentioned that that you kept <laughs> like. That you, you said it's that just twice. the funniest title to me for some reason to keep saying. Truly, every time I'd be like, I'd be listening to it and I'd be like, cool, this album's almost over, right? And then it would be on that one every time. Memory Motel. God, it sucks. And then it, this album also had a lot of me, like we kind of talked about with it being a longer album with less songs, but like the songs aren't that long. But I kept thinking like, oh, this must be like a six minute song. And then I'd yeah. look down and it would be at four minutes out of four and a half minutes. And I'd just be like, oh, oh weird one of those it feels feels like we're five and a half minutes into this song yeah it's insane so we'll get into it um let's see so i think we can just get into the track by track i have 
a few notes on who's playing since it varies a lot on every song in terms of the guitar player or uh, what like Billy Preston's contributing. Right. So All right. Well, let's we can get into that. Let's get into our patented track by track. Yeah. The first song, Hot Stuff, has Harvey Mandel doing the lead guitar. Uh, Billy Preston's on piano. And actually, Ian Stewart's only credit on this album, he's playing percussion here. Hmm. The groove is good. Yeah, so right then when they said Hot Stuff was yeah. when I listened to it the first time and I was like, oh, this is a bad song and this is going to be a bad yes. album. The Yes, like the groove is pretty solid. The lyrics, quote unquote, are terrible. And like, <laughs> it really... I mean, this is kind of, I think, known as, like, the Rolling Stones' jammiest album, or at least, like, one of their loosest, and while this is definitely that, it is not a good that, you know? It's a, like, very bad that, actually. Yes. It really sounds like they recorded a jam that should not have been the lead song on an album, even if it's their jam album. It it just if you were listening to uh, it's only rock and roll and then this album immediately after yeah. you'd be like what did twenty years happen in between these and they were like yeah let's go for some stupid funk disco yeah I will say the only saving grace the Harvey Mandel lead guitar lines are good yeah okay. Like that's definitely the yeah. This is good part of the album that I'm good. talking over, yeah. but or the good part of the song. Like he's a good guitar player. He's a great guitar player. You know. Do you think? Do you think they got Ronnie Wood like you said earlier because they need to be better than Keith but not upstage him? And this guy would have like blown him out of the fucking water. Yeah, I mean, although that didn't end up being that much of a problem with Mick, but I think that partially was due to like Mick just didn't seem like he had a personality where he was like if they were on stage he wanted he didn't seem like he wanted to be at the front like yeah. leaning into the crowd you know well, he was like 19 that wasn't yeah. really his style yeah but he definitely upstaged him in terms of being a better guitar player oh for sure um so I think it's probably more about personality than anything else and like I mean Ron already had a leg up just because he was already friends with them. He'd already like right. written It's Only Rock and Roll with them. So like I, it, it feels like they kind of went with the safe but comfortable option. Yeah. Which I guess you know they're within their rights to do but it does feel like if they had tried to go for more of a Mick Taylor type who would have maybe pushed them musically uh, that would have been you know more interesting for the band. But Right. They more went went with someone who would help them keep the status quo. That's fair. Um, we're not going to listen to the last two minutes of the sure. song. Uh, Hand of Fate. Uh, this is Wayne Perkins, and then Billy Preston's playing this. Go, go, sail just around midnight. It's the same song, <laughs> but slower. Um, yeah, well... That being said, I kind of like this song. It's at least not one of the worst ones on the album. 
Um, they, they did. It, it does feel songwriting wise like it's more in the vein of their last few albums. Yeah, for sure. They definitely did the opposite thing that they do on most albums, where the first song is awful and then the second song is pretty good. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Like this song's solid. It's just kind of like this whole album it's just a little too loose and like yeah. not recorded that well so it doesn't make it like worth going back to even if you pulled the song off for a playlist or something right it, it just sounds like brown sugar but less racist and yeah. like slower yeah it's it's really i it reminds me a little bit too of um oh what was the song off it's only rock and roll give me a second the soul cover they did I know you uh, ain't too proud to beg. Yeah, it reminds me of "Ain't Too Proud to Beg" a little bit too. Hear that, yeah. It's his, one of those Stone songs where it's good. like it's a good one on this album, but they have better versions of this. Yeah, other places in like the catalog for sure. This was a fresh breath of air, breath of fresh air rather. Um, when I had to like re-listen to this album, but it is not objectively good. great. Yeah, good guitar solo from Wayne Perkins though. Yeah. It is pretty good. He would have been a great choice, too. It's interesting that, like, since they have these, like, three guitar players auditioning, essentially, so they should all be at the top of their form, I feel like this album should be this, like, amazing, like, compilation of, like, here's some of the best guitar players in the world with the best band in the world, just, like, rocking out, showing their stuff, and instead... It's like just really shitty songs with great guitar solos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like it almost would have been better, I feel like, if they had just done more blues rock stuff that they were more yeah, comfortable I mean, in. Yeah. Yeah. They really went with and I then think like what was had everyone at the time, solo. So. Yeah. And it's a little disappointing. Like, yeah. No, it could have been a it, phenomenal it, album. This album yeah. should be like a Stone Cold classic because it's the Stones with like these three amazing guitarists all trying to show their stuff and like one up each other. Yeah. But it's not at all. Like, it's way too lazy. Yeah. Lazily done to be that. Yeah, I. That is a very good point, and I, it it kind of makes me upset. Like when I was talking last week, how. It would have been great if Little Mick went with, um, what's his face? Nicky Hopkins. Nicky Hopkins and, like, yeah. Bobby To Keys do a little all-star band. And yeah. did, like, it just makes me sad that this wasn't as good as it right. could have been. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, and like I just said, like, it just, it really feels like the Stones just didn't give a shit about it. Because it's like, yeah, like, Hand of Fate is a good song. But it just sounds like they're not trying very hard to make it a good song <laughs> during the recording. Yeah, I, like this sounds like their third or fourth take, not their like twelfth, where they've like really honed it in. Yeah. So. That is some good guitar playing, though. It is. Yeah, I would say several songs on this album are are purely only listenable because of how great the guitar playing is yeah. by a non-Rolling Stone member. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cherry, oh baby. A lot of songs with women uh, named Cherry. A, yeah. It's his favorite flavor. Yeah. Uh, this is a cover of an Eric Donaldson song. He's a reggae guy. Yeah. When I heard this, I was like, that is the weirdest choice for the Rolling Stones to do reggae. Yeah, 
It's an interesting song. It reminds me of Hot Stuff a lot because it's similarly like just very loose and like kind of uh, shuffly and yeah, like not very well recorded. But for some reason or another, it's really enjoyable to me. I really like Cherio Baby. That's an interesting take. I just don't love white guys doing reggae. I mean, I get that, and I cannot argue that it's, like, pretty bad white reggae, but I guess I would say as far as this album goes, <laughs> like, again, outside of this album, I don't think I'm pulling Cherry O' Baby out as, like, a classic Stone song, but on this album, this one was, like, I would say this might have been my favorite song. Like, it's it's the highlight to me. I can, I can see your argument because, a little spoiler, this album sucks. Um, yeah. And so, like... It really only gets worse <laughs> from here. I just... You know how you hate mixed country voice? I cannot stand hate, his reggae voice. trying to do reggae, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But I just like... I love the, the oh, very yeah, slow, yeah, like, off-kilter yeah, beat. Yeah. is like, very fun for me to listen to. And then I like... I like the guitar and I like those gang vocals. I don't know. I just it, it does it for me. Um, this is Ron Wood, by the way, Ronald David Wood, and yeah. Nicky Hopkins is playing the organ. He shows up once again. <laughs> I can't believe they yelled Irie. Alright, okay, this song does suck, but with the amount of attention that I could give to Black and Blue, this one was more enjoyable. Yeah. If this is Peter's favorite song on that album, you can imagine how the rest of the album is going to go at this yeah, point okay, if you've okay. not listened. It's actually not. I I have another song that is definitely better than this one. Memory Motel. And you know what? Hand of Fate is probably better than this one. Oh, This Hand one's mostly Fate. just intriguing because it's at least different. It is. I mean, I know they did different. Luxury, but it's at least a different song for the Stones, whereas everything else on here, they've done better previously. That's fair. All right. Uh, Memory Motel. Uh, so this is Harvey Mandel again. Um, Howie Mandel. Billy Preston's doing the synthesizer. Keith, not playing guitar. Uh, he plays electric piano here. And also has shares like the lead vocals with Mick. We'll point out. I think it's a fairly obvious spot where Keith yeah. sings. <laughs> yeah. God, I hate his voice on this. I don't even know what he's going for, but it's bad. Yeah. This song is very bad. This song might be the worst one on the album. It probably is. Yeah. It's so... It's. I mean, first of all, it's just really boring. Like, the melody... So boring. The music, like, nothing about it is intriguing. The lyrics aren't intriguing. And then once you add in the production with the synthesizer and the electric piano and everything, it's just such 70s schlock. Yeah, which is... Yeah, so, I mean... You know, we, we shit on the Beach Boys a lot for their, like, crappy 70s schlocky production on, like, MIU and uh, L.A. Oh, here's a little guitar tapping, by the way, from me and um, but this is worse than that. Yeah, this is like. Well, I don't know. I think it's this not is probably on par with their like MIU light album stuff. You're probably right. It's just so 
schlocky. Like, um, yeah. It really is. Um, I also, I couldn't stop rolling my eyes at how lame the title was. Um, but I turned out to be the moron because apparently there's a real place called the Memory Motel like in Montauk next to a house Keith was staying at for a few months and like wrote the song about it. Hmm. So, I mean, it's still lame, but it's like, I thought they were like, oh, look at this cool turn of phrase we came up with. Yeah. But no, they just stole my room. This is Keith. Yeah. She uses that mind so well, PJ. She's one of a kind. What a compliment. You have a mind of your own and you use it well. I. There's nothing worse than time ravaging a woman's face <laughs> i can't get over it. it's it's pro it's like more obnoxious to me almost than the overt sexism is just them being like just so lame yeah. about their lyrics about women you know it's just like so so stupid i can't believe that they um, that they had we are three minutes in the song at this point i can't believe they were listening back to this and at three minutes they were like let's add four and a half minutes onto that yes um. Also, just because Mick can't get over her, apparently this song is supposedly partially about Carly Simon. Jesus so. Christ, Mick, get over yeah. it. Yeah. She's moved on to Warren Beatty by now. Well, especially if, like, I think we talked about in the uh, Goat's Head Soup episode, like, I think it's some people think it's just a rumor that they ever even slept together. Yeah. Like, they just kind of had a crush. And it's like, if that's true, then how insane that he's written more than one song about it. Yeah. <laughs> Over, like, four years. Yeah. All right, I'm going to skip the rest of this song. Uh, give us, Get us to, like, a minute from the end just to see if it... No, no okay. it sounds the same. Yeah. Continue. I was, I was not remembering. I was like, maybe there's a good instrumental break, but no. Hey, Negrita. Uh, this riff is killer. It's good. This is a Ronald Wood jam. And then uh, Billy Preston's playing piano and organ. Yeah, this this is definitely the best guitar riff on the album. So I guess that's maybe why they chose him. <laughs> Could be. Um, this song got the Stones a little bit of flack about being sexist uh, because... Apparently, Mick said the lyrics are about a guy with no money trying to negotiate down a prostitute's rate. Ah, love that. Yeah. They have uh, songs pretty, that sound pretty like this that are better. Like, uh, that's true. This is... I don't love this song, but they have done this before and done it better. I wouldn't say it either. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say I love it either, but it's... Uh, arguably the second best song on the yeah. album, maybe. Right. What's the or one I'm third, thinking of? Depending on when yo. What's that one? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, ele- uh, no, not Elevator Blues. Uh, what the fuck is that song? I'll just look it up real quick. Ventilator Blues. Ventilator Blues. It's like Ventilator Blues, but not as good. True.
this, yeah, I don't like that part's pretty good. Yeah. Where Mick's wooing and they're doing the piano, and I, like it's got some good parts. I, like this song is, it, it's at least solid. It, if this was thrown in on like, yeah, a different album, I wouldn't. If even, this was, yeah, yeah, like on the B side of it's only rock and roll, it's just like a solid. I would have been like, you know, keep the energy pretty going. Pretty good, song. Yeah, yeah, but you'd like it. No, but agree. It does not. I don't know. Um, next song is Melody. Which you want to get to Melody? Yeah. What I would say is maybe the worst song on the album. <sighs> You're probably Which right. is also a tough thing. Uh, this is the one that Billy Preston helped write, and you can yeah. hear him singing along with Mick at the beginning. Which is weird, because you'd think it'd be good. Yeah. Um, uh, he's Billy Preston's also credited with percussion, as well as piano and organ, by the way. That's Billy Preston echoing the melody thing. Yeah, sounds like Billy Preston. Yeah, and then singing along with Mick in the back. Yeah. I kept telling my girlfriend, hey, the Rolling Stones have a song that has your name. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. She doesn't like when I call her Melody. Yeah. Does she get that a lot? Uh, only from Paul and I. Um, oh. Yeah. That's, that seems like one that would happen a lot if you're like on the phone with a customer service person. <laughs> They're like, Melody? And you're like, no. <laughs> um, my So her dad wanted to name her Melody because he liked music. And that's a quote. Um, wow. And that's, her mother that's... was like, fuck no. We can name her Melanie. We're not going with Melody. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Here's my daughter, Long Play Record. <laughs> I'm more of an extended play kind of a guy. Yeah. The name's Cassette Tape Jones. <laughs> Cassette Tape Jones would be an incredible hip-hop name. <laughs> yeah, that was probably someone's DJ back in the day. Someone's MC. Uh, this song sucks. It's bad. It's very bad. It's disappointing yeah. from yeah. coming from the great Billy Preston himself. Yeah. Oh, this is a good time, though, to talk about. So after Mick left the band, uh, being all butthurt about not getting songwriting credits on songs he wrote. What a bitch. What an idiot. Uh, the Stones, uh, quote unquote, learned their lesson by deciding to start crediting people who helped write songs. And what they started doing, starting with It's Only Rock and Roll on the last album, and then Hey Negrita and Melody on this one, is they would just put, written by the Rolling Stones, inspiration by Ron Wood or by Billy Preston, which I believe would legally not be a songwriting credit. (laughs) So they get to just put their name on there, but they still don't have to pay anybody because why the fuck would they do that? They are the worst dudes. I know. It's insane. It's really, I mean, like, I get that if you're a musician, you, like, want to be, you know, if you're a Ron Wood type, it's like, of course you want to be in the Rolling Stones, and that's been a fruitful 50 years or whatever for him, but it's it's just so insane in hindsight how, how much of assholes they were. I mean, I guess maybe just everyone was an asshole, so it was <laughs> par for the course. Like, the Beach Boys were dickheads about that stuff, too. Yeah. To each other, even. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they didn't really have people leave because of songwriting stuff, but, like, they definitely, yeah, had a lot of infighting and, like, not giving themselves a lot of grace, giving each other a lot of grace. Yeah. So. Damn. Oh, and uh, Ron Wood, we'll get to it eventually, but not an official member of the Rolling Stones until 1993. 93? He's just, like, a, he's a contract 
player, I guess. So 20 years after this, yeah. give or take. It takes him 20 years, which like you ha- that party has to be so sad where they're all like, welcome, Ron, welcome, you're Rolling Stone, Ron. And he's like, yeah, I've been here for 20 fucking years. Right. And eight like, years after they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, Yeah. Although he probably wouldn't have been part of that group, right? I don't know. Usually like they probably would have just done Bill, Charlie, because don't they usually just do original members? Uh, I believe when the Red Hot Chili Peppers were uh, inducted oh, somewhat recently, show, though. Uh, Josh Klinghoffer was there as opposed to John Frusciante. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't fucking know. But wasn't there a huge controversy about that? Because that was like not the way they'd done it before. But somehow the like the Red Hot Chili Peppers wanted it that way, and they said yes. But then other like people, quote unquote, on the internet were mad because John they denied time. other. Because yeah. um, it's been a thing with a lot of bands. Because a lot of bands cycle through members, and so yeah, the Rolling I mean, Stones. I mean, if they inducted Sean in. Anna, who would who would be in? You know? <laughs> that's um, true. You know, that's a good point. I think there was backlash, and maybe that's why I remember it. Yeah. But it's funny now I mean, because John Frusciante band... is back in that band. So yeah, well, and it just shows how like unofficial the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is because if it was like an actual like, or how unofficial it is, and also how like tied it is to the music industry, like it's just a publicity machine. Yeah, because if it was actually a like separate thing that tried to have some like objectiveness about it, they would just come up with a rule and do it every time. But instead, they're like. What does the band want to do? Like, what's going to be most awkward or least awkward, like, yeah. for getting everyone on stage? Like, because, like, I think the Chili Peppers, like, didn't want John Frusciante. Because I think at the time they didn't like him or something. I don't They were mad at him still. I don't really know. So it was a whole thing. And then it's like, but really just induct the founding members. He wasn't a founding and member. Then, Hillel Slovak was the original guitarist who died of a heroin okay, overdose. Well, so. Whatever. Um, okay, anyway. I don't, it is weird, and it's just a fucking building in Ohio. Like, it is not a, we talked about this before the show started. It's such a dumb bullshit thing. Well, so members of bands, I mean, with the Rolling Stones, it's very, yeah, we'll just talk over it. Um, With the Rolling Stones, they keep it very delineated, because, like, like, Ron Wood was a member of the Rolling Stones, but he wasn't a, like, member of the Rolling Stones as a, like, in terms of getting paid as a member from like the Rolling Stones company, you know? Yeah. Until 1993. But like, I would bet, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if when they were inducted, he was inducted with them. Cause you know, he'd been with them he at was that with point them. for 15 yeah. years. He'd been their longest running guitar player. Right. Um. Well, okay. So, and so like with the stone or with, with bands, it feels like it should just be anyone who was ever, a member should, should be invited. Yeah. Yeah. But then but you, like you get the into Stones, a thing like he see... wasn't a member when they, they were inducted because their stuff is so fucky, you know? No, I know. But with the Stones, it's like I would induct Ron Wood and Brian Jones. And as like a fan, I would do Mick Taylor, but I would understand if they were like, well, he was technically just a contract player for four years. Yeah. So. Well, and I wonder if like, even though he was super important to them. Yeah. I, if like they maintain he was never really a member, then I, fine, I wonder I if Bill Wyman was even like there for that because he was out of the band by then. Oh no, he left. Uh, what I read is that Ron Wood was added when Bill left, so that would have been around ninety three, ninety four as well. 
Uh, yeah, Bill left in 93, you're right. Okay. Um, the thing is... Which is also crazy that they're like... It wasn't that Ronwood had been around for long enough. It's that they're like, oh, I guess we can just continue paying the same amount of people. Yeah. God, that's... Yeah, we, God damn. we don't want to add any staff. But they made two albums after 1997. They made A Bigger yeah. Bang and Blue and Lonesome. And those are the only ones he's an official member on. That is insane yeah. to me. But touring-wise, I'm sure he makes an insane album. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're all fine. They're all fucking millionaires. Uh, this song sucks. Um... Yeah, so this has uh, Wayne Perkins again, and then Nicky Hopkins is playing piano and synthesizer. Uh, similar to Memory Motel, just really bad 70s schlock. It's insane yeah. to me that this was their lead single, and it's even crazier that it went to like number six in the UK and it's, number 10 in the US. It's um, not a good song. I will say, if you skip to about a minute before the end, it kind of does get good for like the last few it shifts into like a different mode and gets interesting like they kind of downshift into this little groove and it's kind of good it's better than the rest of the song for sure yeah I just don't know why they didn't do something like this for most of it and I also don't know why this is a five minute long song too long it's very bad and like i was making fun of earlier it's got like lyrics that are like oh my daughter was talking to me and said you're a fool to cry daddy and it's just it's so stupid um all right next song is crazy mama uh this is ron wood again and then billy preston is on piano the guitar is really good at the beginning yeah. The slide guitar is great. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, right here, the intro, you're like, this is going to be a good song. You know what? I would actually say, aside from the lyrics, which are just stupid, um, it's a pretty good song. This, like this, I would say this might be the strongest song on the record. It, yeah, I would like Hand of Fate probably could be the best, but it was just recorded really badly. This is probably the best song. I, I would agree. Um, this is also like I think they took this song and this was the formula that they created for every song that they made in the eighties. Yes. Like this oh, is yeah. a stone no, and song. this is like, just like yeah, the classic blues uh, you know, blues rock mid tempo stone song with a nice guitar ring. Yeah. Uh, but it stands out on this album just because it is that simple, straightforward blues stuff that, you know, when it's not the whole album, it sounds refreshing and yeah, nice every time. It's and a, that slide riff is nice, man. Ooh. It is a nice good. song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's black and blue. That's black and blue. What do you do? You have any thoughts on this album, PJ, that we haven't talked about? I think we were talking over most of the songs because we didn't want to be active yeah, I don't listeners know if to I them. Have much that we haven't said. It, it could have been good. It should have been good. It should have at least been solid, basically. decent, and it's not yeah. even that. It this is. I mean, you want to know what's scary? What's that? I read somewhere while I was doing all the research for this is that there were B sides for this album that come out later on other albums. And it's like, what are the songs that didn't make the cut here? Yeah. 
I'm scared to know. Um, after a damn near perfect run of albums, and then yeah. it's only rock and roll, which was a decent album. Uh, it wasn't even still a very solid, very yeah. good. Album, that was so. the album where it's like they still have more to give. Exactly. Kind of. Yeah. And then they put out this. It's so yeah. disappointing as like somebody yeah. who would consider themselves a Rolling Stones fan because my favorite era is now gone and then this is the album yeah. right after that that is yeah. shocking it is it just it's so lazy and like uninspired like you can just tell yeah. like it's we were talking about on it's only rock and roll or at least I was thinking like it sounded like they had energy they were like yeah. still into it they were still like having fun and it just doesn't sound like anyone's having fun or interested. Like it sounds like Billy Preston is the most invested member of this band right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's just, it's not good at all. It's also crazy that we'll see when we get to some girls, it's supposedly good, but if that one's good and then it's only rock and roll is good, that's a four year gap, which is a pretty long time for them at least. Yeah. Where they only released one album and it was just shit. And so yeah. it's like at this point they are already it seems like becoming that like band that just relies on touring and kind of playing older hits. Yeah. It I um, mean Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe they get more inspired. I mean, it's no band can keep it going forever. I get it. Like you've got to have some dips. You've got to have a couple moments where you're less inspired. Um but to be so but it drastic is hard after such a prolific run yeah. where like they really haven't been bad bad this entire time in their yeah. history so far like this is definitely their worst actual album unless maybe their like first or second one you know yeah so i mean uh, yeah. i'm gonna go ahead and give it a two out of ten i am going to second that two out of ten okay that feels right for black and blue i mean i don't think yeah. i would come back to this album ever at all for any reason and i believe this is the lowest i've rated a rolling stones album let me double check that. I'm. I kind of feel like one of the first albums we, or at least I rated fairly low. See, I don't think I've given any of them a one, so I think this ties my lowest rating. Yeah, it's a bad album. I did not like listening to it. No, it's it's very bad. I actually initially was like, oh, this is pretty good, like through the first three songs, and then it just got so bad from Memory Motel on. And then um, by the like by the third time I listened to it, it was like, oh no, this is this just, is a bad. Album. This is just bad. See, I was disappointed yeah. when I listened to Hot Stuff, and then I was like, this is probably not going to be a good album. And then I was yeah. right, like, um, yeah, Rolling Stones number two, I gave a two out of ten to. You gave it a four. Rolling Stones now, I gave a three, and you gave it a five. Yeah. And then Rolling Stones, their debut, you gave a three and I gave a two. Okay. So this is as bad as they've been since their first couple, three albums. Yeah. Which is right. I mean, they've been one of the best bands in the world and for I would, like a decade now. I so. would stand by. I think their earlier albums are better than this. I would at least probably rather listen to them. I don't know if I would say they're better, but. Th and that's kind of what I mean. I would like yeah. so much pick one of those over this. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're coming up on Some Girls, which is the only album, aside from Baker's Banquet, that I've ever heard in full. 
but I've only listened to it once because oh. I bought it on vinyl and listened to it one time and went, eh, that's not very good, <laughs> and put it away. <laughs> but that was like eight years ago, so who knows what I think now. Yeah. So. Right, well. There we go. What? Welcome Ronald David Wood to the Rolling Stones and to the Rolling Stones studs. It's another stud for us to feast our eyes on. Oh, and such a good-looking member that doesn't look super yeah, weird just, or anything. Yeah, with the best hair in the band. Oh, yeah. All right, Pete. Well, I'm sorry that this podcast has taken us on a journey where you had to listen to this album. I mean, to be honest, though, like, Some Girls is at least supposed to be decent. We aren't yeah. quite into the depths like we got into with the Beach No, yet, we're not so. there yet. We'll get there. Yeah. We will. I'm sure we'll get there, but I think we still have a couple more albums to go, which is yeah. I'm thankful. Yeah. All right. Well, I will see you on the other side of that. M- not Mossy Rock. That's great. I think it stopped rolling. Yeah. I think this album, it's just sitting there. There's mo- there's a little bit of moss at this point. It just kind of fell onto its side and it's just hanging out in the sun. Yeah. All right, Pete. See you next time, PJ. See you on the other side of that wave. A Beach Boys Boys production.